We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Thursday on the OBR Film Breakdown, so that means you get your usual banter looking around the NFL, what's coming this weekend, what we can't wait to watch, some things that we can't help but watch, among other things. But we're going to switch up the beginning and start looking a little bit more ahead in the podcast early portions where Andrew Spade, Jordan Zerm, and myself will be talking a lot more, focusing in on the next opponent. So in this case, how the Browns beat the Ravens. That'll be the focus early. The NFL stuff comes after. we got a great OBR film breakdown for you. Let's get going right now. Watson on first down, throwing towards the end zone, wide open, Ford for the touchdown. On third and ten, Garrett, burying Tannehill. Play action for Watson, going to take a shot, Cooper, wide open, touchdown. Watson to Cooper for the knockout strike. All right, everybody, welcome into your Thursday show. You know what that means, we're doing a little bit of Talking about the Browns win very quickly and then moving on to uh, some banter about the Ravens. Huge AFC North game. Feels like we've had so many of those early, but we knew that with the schedule, that would be the case. There's still a lot to talk about here with the Ravens and an interesting situation. The Browns obviously uh, feeling like this is a good spot for them. We'll, We'll have plenty of banter on that. I'm joined by the usual Thursday crew, Andrew Spade. Andrew, what's up, buddy? Hey, Jake. How are you, man? Hey, I'm good. I usually don't get that question thrown back to me, so it's pretty nice to be able to answer it. I know. I thought I'd turn it around on you. You sure did. You caught me by surprise. I love it. I'm good. You're good. We're all good. Jordan is here. I am doing well. Thank you. Yes. I love to hear it. Jordan Zerm with us, too. Jordan, what's up from the left coast? What's up, man? How you doing? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask you that as well. <laughs> uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, yeah, I just midweek, baby. Thursday night football tomorrow. We've talked about it on the pod how, like, Tuesday, Wednesdays are just these these dark void in my soul where there's there's no football after you kind of get used to it. So ready for TNF tomorrow or today, I guess. Well, it's going to be a fun one. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. It's rare. So many of these Thursday night games are just yawners, but it feels like this one will be fun. We'll get there. First, I want to ask you, I know you got a chance to watch the film today. I saw you post a couple still clips of screenplays that should have gone for massive yards, which Andrew and I have talked about. And wrapped up in the all 22 you you consume most of it just give us i want to always give you the platform to uh wrap up your thoughts on the browns previous game so uh give us yours on the titans yeah i I texted you during the game and i where i just said like man they just needed this so bad because i think there's an alternate timeline that exists where after deshaun watson threw that pass backwards uh the season goes in a very different direction that that play to me was like such a a like sort of hinge point because 
that play is one of those, right? It goes viral. It's everywhere on Twitter. It's fodder for everybody being like, he's done. Like, what is going on? Like, his decision-making is cooked. Uh, the offense up to that point still hadn't really found its footing. And there is definitely a world where, like, the offense after that play just continues to go backwards. And maybe uh, Elijah Moore doesn't recover that ball. And, you know, whatever it may be. Or maybe it was Jerome Ford. I forget which player he decided to throw backwards to. Um, but, uh but yeah, so it was Elijah Moore in the backfield, which Moore. we don't need yeah. to see any more of. We could probably <laughs> no, do I think that. we, I think we can wash our hands of of some of those more uh, exotic play calls that happened uh, on Sunday. But um, yeah. they turned it around, and I, I honestly like, I, I didn't really know what to expect um, after that play because that's one of those plays where it can really just sort of demoralize you, especially after everything that the Browns had gone through the first couple of weeks offensively. And with the way the defense was playing, it was like, they just, they don't even need that much. Like, they just need a little bit. They need a little bit of a spark. And I think you saw, like, in the second half, and I'm sure you guys have talked about, you know, the offense adjusted a little bit. They got away from some of that trickery stuff and just started going, you know, empty and letting Deshaun get into a rhythm. And um, things really picked up. And they're still not where they need to be. But I feel so much better. I mean, the defense has been incredible. And everybody knows the numbers and how well they're playing. But I think you finally saw some stuff from the offense that was like, okay, like there's some stuff to build on here. Uh, Deshaun looked better than he, much better than he had after uh, the first couple of weeks. And they just needed it because that's one of those games where not only like might you lose, but now people are putting that clip next to Brandon Whedon, throwing it with his left hand while he gets tackled. And that's never a clip you want to have associated with yourself as a quarterback. So uh, that could have gone a really bad direction. And fortunately it turned itself around. One Jerome Ford uh, double move, right? Changes the, I, I thought, I, I said to Andrew, I just thought it lifted the, them sort of mentally, right? When they hit a big play there that we can do some of this stuff. So um, overall, like you said, a, a fun game that they they did figure it out. That that alternate timeline is not fun to consider, uh, not even in the slightest. If they had had that game go sideways where maybe the offense gives away more points, right? Than the defense allows and a double whammy of that over two weeks so we're not even going to go there we're not there they dominated the game they did well like jordan said uh, a lot of great things happen within it and um we're excited to see where that i will say there's a couple things the browns put out on social that you should check out they did a sideline to sideline which has some really great um just like on the field banter and coaches talking to some guy if you want to see behind the scenes access that's available and then they did a two minute mic'd up with david and joku and i would suggest everybody go check that out because if you want to see like I, and Andrew, you and I talked about this the other day that um, you know, they're, they're not giving him the football enough. They're not giving him the opportunities that he received to start last year, or even though the routes are uh, up, the volumes up in terms of that, they're, they're not providing some of the stuff that he received last year, but boy on the sideline in the pregame, uh, he is great. Like um, he, he's, he spends some time talking to Deshaun about, how proud he is of bouncing back and this is who you are and just some great quotes. And then he was talking to Marquise Goodwin, who I think Goodwin was a little down because he only played five snaps in the game and um, has not felt like he's put a foot, you know, any sort of thumbprint on the offense, the way that we sort of anticipated. There's some guys like that. We'll talk about it during the bye week Like Jordan Akins hasn't really had a moment yet, or uh, Goodwin hasn't really had a moment yet, but he's like sitting there talking to him. He's like, I just want to let you know, man, that that I see everything you're doing. Like, I see everything you're doing. You're making, you know, you're working hard, and that is, um, you know, something that catches everybody's eye. We we follow that lead from you, and it was just a it was a great moment of putting his arm around. It's like, who would have thought that David and Joku would get here 
as a pro. Like if you would have told me this stuff would have happened after his first few years, there's no chance. So I really just want you guys listening and everybody go watch it because I think it's worth it trying to figure out well, what does David do if he's not catching the football? Well, he's clearly got a leadership value here that is, um, I, I don't know, unsung, under discussed that he he's doing a great job with that. So wanted to mention it, but onward and upward we go. We talk about the Ravens. I wanted to make the official declaration that is, you know, now we shift our focus to the Ravens. You know, a lot of people try to do that on like Tuesday. <laughs> like we're not allowed, we're not allowed to talk about the game that just happened. We're on to the Ravens is the quote that'll, uh, or whoever we're on to the next game. You know, we spend some time. We, we like to, uh, we like to recap what happened, why it happened and how it happened. That's a big part of covering the NFL. So we're not going to rush to the next team, but it feels like the right time guys. So I want to throw it to you, Andrew first. And, you know, I, th- I will say that I think the Ravens are always a daunting task, right? They, they have um, special personalities and special players at the right position. And um, I know you have the injury report in front of you and you can hit on that a little bit too, but this is different. This is a different Ravens team because the offense is a little different and they're a little beat up. And I, and I, and I just want to know your initial thoughts on what, you know, kind of how you feel about them as a challenge coming into to Cleveland Brown stadium. Yeah. Let's knock that injury report out just uh, off the top here. So uh, for the Browns, uh, DNPs that are not uh, rest, uh, we had Joel Batonio with, uh, well, I guess it's rest, comma, ankle. So it's a little bit of both. It's a potpourri mm. for Joel right now. And then uh, we had uh, Kareem Hunt also dealing with uh, two small injuries, I suppose, uh, ribs and groin. So um, those are your DNPs for the Browns. Uh, Jerome Ford was limited with a shoulder James Hudson limited with that ankle still that had him inactive last weekend. Greg Newsom limited with the elbow. He was also inactive against uh, Tennessee. And then Deshaun Watson uh, was probably obviously the most notable uh, player that was limited with that uh, right shoulder that he's resting. Um, and that's that's one where he 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 hit that one pretty hard on that, uh, that uh, read option keeper, right? He's been taking a lot of hits. Yeah. I, I think we have to say that. Like, he, you're right about that. They ran that little cue counter and he, he took a hit on the goal line. He was the pop, but there were a couple throwaways you guys probably saw watching the mm-hmm. film. Like he was booting out and nothing was there. And he was kind of waiting for it until the very last moment and just got drilled as his, his arm is up. This was, I don't more of the story for me. I think he's been hit pretty hard through three weeks and I think he's probably sore. And I don't think this is just, ah, he's a veteran. It's a day off let the arm get right. No, I think that there's some soreness going on. And I I also think he's playing a little reckless. I'm just going to say it. He's playing a little reckless with the hitting and he needs to sort of tighten that up. I I, I don't know that I'm not, I'm not here to tell Deshaun how to play and how to do that. But I think over the course of 17 games, he's going to miss time at the rate he's going. He's getting hit pretty hard. And I don't know if either of you have a response to that or think I'm crazy, but I think he's getting for a guy that gets out and run and sometimes he'll slide. I actually think he's getting hit harder than I watch some other quarterbacks who run a little bit and are are a bit more graceful with the ability to get down and avoid those hits. He's got to be better at that or he's going to get himself hurt. Yeah. They, I I mean, I think the, the first run that he had uh, first design QB run in the first quarter um, where uh, on a third down where he didn't get to the line and he, and he gets hit and he, and he like flips over and then like he flips over again and tries to like the thing that I think too plays into this is that like, he's also just being like, 
trying to show that like, oh, I got hit, I'm back, it's whatever. Like I haven't had, you know, this physicality, um, you know, for, for a year and a half, but I'm, but I'm good. And it's like, all right, man, you know, it's week, it's three weeks. Cool. Like we don't need that anymore. Like you're back, you're playing like, yeah, he's, he's really taking some and you, I think Jake, to your point, yeah, like watching it back on the all 22, like, yeah, you're like, oh, from multiple angles, you're like, yeah, he's getting hit. And anytime somebody is resting their, their throwing shoulder, like it's just, that always gives me a lot of pause in terms of like, oh, that's not a great development because if that's already something that they're managing in this way and it's this early in the season, like that's a little nerve wracking, uh, especially for someone who, those first couple of weeks, the accuracy and where the ball was going w- was not where you wanted it to. Um, so you just worry a little bit about like that as he continues to try to get acclimated to, you know, what they want to do offensively. Yeah, I, I agree with what both of you said. I think he's got to, he's got to protect himself. I, I think it's a funny thing with him specifically and a lot of Browns fans, because I think we all fell in love with Dorian Thompson Robinson through preseason. And so there's a little bit of, excitement like there was a there was a point where we thought Watson was coming out for a play on on Sunday and DTR is like getting ready to come in and it's like kind of exciting in a weird way because Watson's been struggling and this guy looks so good the preseason but obviously the you know the course for the Browns it's going to result in them having the best season they can have is is Watson being the quarterback for 17 games so he's got to take care of himself and you were talking too like he hasn't slid much right like he hasn't he hasn't really protected himself in any way shape or form he's drawn two penalties on stiff arms where he's like trying to i i I think that he needs to let a play die (laughs) i don't know man like let a play die every now and again wasn't this kind of his mo in in houston too though i mean he took a ton of sacks that were him trying to extend plays i i agree with jordan that i think there's a stubbornness here that's born out of trying to prove that he's still that guy Uh, Mm um but i do think part of it is just who he is how he's wired as a quarterback and i i do think to your point jake it's not going to age well because you know it's different when you're 23 versus when you're 27. Yeah, there, there's no reason to throw that football backward. There's no reason to sometimes run into, you know, linebackers or defensive linemen who have an angle on you and try to stiff arm them. You're the pr- prize commodity here, man. If you're playing as well as you did last week, they they really can't afford to lose you. So find a way to throw the ball away every now and again. And, and as you get older here, it, you, Andrew, it's a good point about aging gracefully, like, it's you're not going to get any faster the right. older you get. And I think some of us could probably say we're, we're seeing him get a little slower right now. I, mm-hmm. I think you could look at the highlight Texans days and say that. So I think it's safe to say like there needs to be a hard discussion between him as quarterback coach and his, his other quarterback coach about, Hey, can we figure out a way to swallow our pride and get a bet? You're not going to get your entire reputation back on this one play here. So like, let's just eat it and go to the next one and be efficient. So and he's also found a way to make a lot of viral clips, not, great ones either that's something that uh we could probably all do without uh, at this point so anyway we'll move off that we'll move to the ravens shared the all 22 with you guys uh, i don't i'm not asking if either of us got i mean i haven't really finished the entire thing the way i want to but i think we can get a pretty good idea on who the ravens are now andrew i know you let off there a little bit with the injury report but yeah. um, i'll throw it back to you again and, and let you kind of riff on what you think this team looks like what their biggest uh, strengths are and then how you think the Browns have to go about trying to beat them well I gave yeah I gave the Browns injury report let me give you the the Ravens injury report too just for you know f- full uh, balance here we've got Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham both uh, did not practice uh, Kyle Hamilton did not practice with a back injury uh, Justice Hill did not practice with a foot injury Marlon Humphrey didn't practice with a foot injury he's coming back from I think a surgery on that uh, and then David Ajabo and Adafi Owe both didn't practice with ankles 
Uh, three players that missed the last few weeks uh, they have been out since week one, I think. Tyler Linderbaum, Ronnie Stanley, and Marcus Williams were all limited. So they're potentially coming back. Uh, obviously, those two offensive linemen are going to be key with what the Browns can do up front. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a team that we talked about a ton in the preseason, Jake, in terms of the, you know, the I thought we I think we both thought that the national perception was skewed about how they were going to effortlessly incorporate a fully mature passing offense with their sort of totally unique run game and marry those from week one. I always thought that was an unrealistic expectation. That has proven to be the case. Part of it is injuries. Part of it is, you know, this stuff ever happens overnight. But, you know, their offensive performance against the Colts was lacking, I think is a fair way to to assess it. I, I thought they were impressive against the Bengals two weeks ago. That was a game that I watched more closely because uh, the Browns were playing simultaneously. But um, I think we it's maybe safe to say that I, I have a few questions about the Bengals defense. I thought they looked better against the Rams, but um, some stuff there that's not totally gelling for them early. So, and then obviously week one was was a Texans team. CJ Stroud getting his first start. So, I, my overall picture of this Ravens team is is that I, I feel offensively they're very similar to the Browns in terms of being a little bit of an unfinished uh, work of art, if you will. Uh, there's still some some finishing touches in a few different areas, and they're looking for that consistency. So then you flip it over and you look at the defensive side, and I think that's where the real contrast is because the Browns are obviously doing what they're doing uh, on a sort of historic pace, and the Ravens have been, I think the word would be inconsistent defensively. At times they've looked really, really good. At other times they have looked like a team that is missing quite a few of their starters. And and their pass rush, you know, is the biggest question mark here because I think right now they're, the defensive lineman for, of them there's that's playing the best is Jadevian Clowney. So uh, that, as Browns fans know, that's not where you want to be. Now, Jordan, you had some interesting stuff on Lamar and some of the metrics uh, around this switch to Todd Monken, right? So I'll, I'll let you hit those. Yeah, it's always interesting. You know, they had a really, really good first drive against the Colts, and, and I wasn't watching the game at the time because the Browns are on, but, you know, you're you're on Twitter, and there's some, you know, pretty prominent football writers that I follow that are very like, oh, Lamar's looking like his MVP self. And I'm like, oh, man, so they got to be destroying the Colts, right? And then you sort of like watch the rest of the game. And I, I, yeah, I think like to Andrew's point, they're a real work in progress. And I think something that's really interesting is, I mean, Lamar advanced stats wise um, is, is in the sort of top 10 in a lot of categories. Uh, his completion percentage is 75% so far. Um, and his like completion percentage over expected is, is plus 5.7, which rates, I think like in the top five, six of quarterbacks right now. So, you know, he's, he's been accurate and he's getting the ball out, but the air yards are, are down like compared to, I mean, even if you look at his air yards right now are 6.9 per pass. Um, I mean, you look at I'm trying to see who like Russell Wilson's is 8.5. Jared Goff is eight. Two is at 9.3, and Brock Purdy, these are guys that are ahead of Lamar Jackson. Um, Josh Allen, 7.2. Um, even Geno Smith, 6.8. Kirk Cousins, 7.6. So anyway, he's he's way behind a lot of these guys in um, air yards. And I think if you watch, I mean, I didn't finish, you know, like Jake said, but I think you watch a lot of what they're doing. Honestly, reminds me a little bit of what the Browns have been trying to do with Deshaun to get him into a rhythm. It's just like these get him into empty or into shotgun with a back on his hip and, you know, a three, four step drop and get the ball out. Um, and I think it's been with mixed results. So, you know, that's really fascinating to me. And I, I wonder if that will continue uh, really quick game, especially with that pass rush that the Browns have. But 
I think the one thing for the Browns is going to be, you know, they have not faced a mobile quarterback yet. You know, you had Joe Burrow who couldn't move week one. You have Kenny Pickett who, you know, may run occasionally, but is not a, a running quarterback. And, and Ryan Tannehill didn't really, I mean, he didn't even have a chance to run. He was running backwards, but he was not running forwards in any way. So, you know, the, the jump from those guys to Lamar Jackson, who had over 100 yards rushing against the Colts, um, and I, you see on film, I mean, he's as fast as he's ever been, and he's going to cause issues. I think that's really going to be, for most defensive coordinators, when he's healthy, that's still where, like, he'll kill you if you, if you let him. So I think that's going to be the biggest part. You made a good point. The Browns haven't played a quarterback who can move, right? Like, not like this. I mean, Tannehill can run if he gets in open space. He's certainly older. He's not the athlete he was at one time. Um, and then, you know, Joe is not himself yet. The obvious stuff. The The reason the, the quick game stuff can work for Baltimore is teams don't want to play man-to-man. And you'll, you'll, you'll say, well, why don't they want to play man-to-man? Well, because nobody's watching the quarterback typically. And you can typically try to spy somebody, but spying the quarterback is usually a great in theory lesson uh, practicality thing. It doesn't always work out because quarterbacks sneak out. It's hard to, oh, you can't, <laughs> there's not a homing beacon on these guys that tells the person who's behind the line rushing, Hey, here's where he's at. So it's just, it's trickier than you think it is. So you don't see a ton of teams play man to man and they'll sit in zone. They'll play three deep, four under coverages. And that leads to spacing concepts that are open. And that's what they hit a lot of. They've hit a lot of Mark Andrews up the seams when he's been healthy and playing um, and taking advantage of teams playing cover three against them because that's going to leave some voids down the field in terms of up the hash marks. The single most interesting thing to me will be how much man coverage Schwartz is comfortable playing because what he has to, what we have to see, we've seen Joe Woods approach to this, but also Joe Woods didn't face this version of Ravens offense, which is different. Uh, than the and I'll just say it like what Baltimore was doing on offense was so unique. Now it limited the upside in certain scenarios for them because you were so underdeveloped as a downfield passing attack. But you preparing for this like it was like preparing for Air Force. I mean, you're preparing for triple. You're preparing for unique formations you did not see anywhere else in the NFL. And that's why I remember last year, guys, you were kind of excited because they got the Ravens before the bye and you got them after the bye and you didn't have to prepare for anything in between. And it was kind of frustrating because, you know, they, they lost the first one, which I, I think they lost the first one. It was the, the game at Baltimore. And then they came back and won the home game. I, I think I'm right on that. I could be wrong. But, you know, you like it because you don't have to spend – you know, these, these weird amounts of time preparing, you get like a chunk of time to prepare for that specific style. Well, they're not like that anymore. They are more traditional than anything um, I have seen from Baltimore since Joe Flacco was still, that was that, that was Lamar's rookie year when um, Flacco was still there and he took over for him. Right. And that was when Roman, like on the fly, kind of like he did with Kaepernick, if you guys recall way back when from Alex Smith, like, like on the fly with the 49ers, they did some of that stuff. So I guess what I'm going to be curious about is how comfortable they are playing man um, and believing that they can cover and turn their back and have a way to still box him in. And the pass rush maybe will overwhelm him so much. He can never find an answer. And you feel like you can just get away with that. Or if they sit in zone and they kind of play that passive woods approach and you tell yourself, Hey, we can, we can make, let's make Lamar throw 10 throws a drive. Let's make him throw 10 throws a drive. Cause I don't think they're going to be able to run very well. I don't, I don't think their line is good enough to run it on what the Browns are doing up front. And I don't think they're as a uh, diverse and run scheme to create a bunch of chaos for the Browns. Like their running back situation is ugly. We know that they're, so they're not bringing a bunch of talent there. So um, they're running some read option stuff like, 
they're they're running some read the end concept zone reads but i don't see a bunch of layers to what they're doing there so again i just kind of think it hinges on what type of defense the browns are willing to play and how quickly they get after the quarterback because andrew i think they're still missing odell they're still missing bateman it's zay flowers and mark andrews is kind yeah. of the group yeah I, I don't know if i'm missing another receiver threat that's very real for the they're nelson aguilar i think yeah that's the next is name. out there yeah yeah, so it's not like the world's most dangerous receiving group there either. So no. um, this game's fascinating because we have in our head a way the Ravens have played offensive football for four years, and it's just, it's just different now. Yeah. And how they come up with answers for Lamar or Lamar comes up with answers for them is good because it's not – I'm just telling you, it's not that much different than what we've seen in the first – you know, they're they're seventh in shotgun percentage, so they're going to be in the gun a lot like the Bengals. They're going to try to throw the ball quick from the gun, just like the Bengals like to do and, and what we saw Tennessee try to do at times. So, um, you know, I haven't really consumed enough of the other side of the football, but you're talking about some big names uh, are in jeopardy. The pass rush stuff hasn't been great for them. Um, the inside zone stuff from India, I don't, again, I don't know how much you guys have watched, really inside zone and just RPOs off of that inside zone gave them gave him fits and this secondary is not as talented without Humphrey and if and if Kyle Hamilton's beat up and I know Marcus Williams is just coming back it's not as talented a secondary as Tennessee either so it's a lot of reputation here is what I'm saying you can't take them lightly nobody is saying that but it's reputationally driven from years of great Baltimore defenses and I don't think that's the case here guys at least it's not I don't think it's as good as Tennessee I, I don't so skill wise you mean um Skill the uh, the front I believe the front for sure is not anywhere near yeah. as good and I yeah. think that Tennessee has some skilled secondary players yeah. that I and again thought they covered the Browns really well in the bunch of different schemes they used yeah so again I'm I'm asking you guys to name me one if you're not name me a corner for the Ravens name me a corner right, well I gotta go rock yes in that I mean that's one then that's like uh, like can you can you go beyond that is my point they don't have much depth at the corner position outside of Humphrey. And yeah. it's like they, they signed Ronald Darby off the street at the end of preseason. I remember that. And I think he's playing a little bit for them. Well, and I think, um, I think Kyle Hamilton last week had three sacks, if I'm not mistaken, he had a really good game and him yeah. not playing is also yeah. just, you know, in their secondary is a, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I'll also say, if you're letting a safety have three sacks, that probably says more about the offense than the defense <laughs> yeah. um, in that regard. But I, listen, they have skill. Matabuke's fun up front. Clowney, when he's right, can get after you. He's got length. He's 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 tenacious. I'm sure he's going to be geared up to go against the Browns. And we'll see if the other two youngsters um, away or the other. It's not that they don't have talent here. They do. It's just that there are specific spots, I think, that you can pick on in a sim- similar nature to what they did to the Titans against a less. I think they should be able to run the ball more effectively than they did against Tennessee. So the, the path to beating them is just as efficient on offense if you can find a way to improve your run game efficiency. And then on the other side of the ball, can you keep Lamar and company bottled up and in those third downs that the Browns are so deadly because you know they they have a propensity to just overwhelm you at the point of attack but it also will come down to keeping Lamar boxed in as you guys know there's many times you think that guy's down and he's just he's not <laughs> he's, yeah. he's he's a freak of nature like that so um you know I, I don't know if there's anything you guys want to add to that or any other thoughts on how they end up beating these guys but I think it's I think it's a winnable game it's not a game that you look at and say they have to play perfect to win it. They, I think they're the better roster right now, and I think that they have 
better health and they're at home. And we know how well Kevin has played. His guys have played for him at home in these division games, right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would just say is that I, I, I hear everything you're saying and I, I, after what happened in, in Pittsburgh in week two, just to, like trying to be mindful of that. This is a thought that I, this is a, this is a conclusion that I come to often with teams in the AFC North, you know, and, and you kind of get to a place where you're like, I don't see how they're going to do it. I don't think they have the talent. And then you're in the game and it's just, you know, they're, they're making plays that the Browns aren't making and Justin Tucker's nailing a 61 yarder. And, you know, you've just kind of got that pit in your stomach where it's like, oh, this is happening. How is this happening again? You know, they're up 13 to seven at halftime and they've, you know, they, they really only had one good drive and, you know, this some fluky intercept. I, I, I'm, just, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but just, I'm just saying like with, it's the same as with Pittsburgh. This doesn't exist with Cincinnati. You know, you went into that week one game. It was like, oh, cool. They're going to beat the Bengals, you know, but with the Steelers and the Ravens, it just feels like it's never easy. No, I, I think the Browns have been the worst raw, the worst of the two rosters and beat the Bengals in the same fashion you're talking about. It doesn't always make sense. Like there could be plays Lamar makes that make zero sense in this game. He could, you know, he's that's what he can do. He's a special player. And there could be some things that break that way. Kind of I think what I'm trying to get at is I think if you play the game ten times, I think the Browns are better mm-hmm. is what I is where I'm at with it. So I, I just think that again, anything can happen and yeah. You're you're spot on. There could be some penalty, you know, penalty swing things. There mm-hmm. could be some Tucker field goals, and you're right. Like no doubt, this is not a lock. This is not a game. I would tell people to say, hey, you know, hammer the hammer it, and you're going to be a winner this week. But I but I do feel like, and maybe this is just some. It's probably a lot injury driven stuff here. Yeah. But I feel like the Browns are just better, and that doesn't always mean you win. But I feel like they're better. And you got Jordan. You tell me if you think I'm wrong about that. No, I don't. I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think just from a defensive perspective, like this is the best defense they've had against this sort of, I know the offense is a little different for, for the Ravens, but like, this is, you know, they made the big deal about like, you know, we drafted JOK so he can stop Lamar Jackson. Also, I'm going to be fascinated to see what they do with Grant Delphit, who's played his tail off and he's a guy you can move around and, you know, play some middle of the field and have him watch Lamar and, like he, when he starts getting downhill, it looks like he's being shot out of a cannon. They've got that speed. They really do have that speed now on the defensive end where like, okay, Lamar may, you know, get five yards, but they stop him from getting 40 yards, you know? So I think that's, that's going to be the line that they have to walk because you just can't give up those backbreaking Lamar runs that we've seen so many times. So no, I think the Browns do have the better roster and I think they're playing, especially defensively in a way where it's going to be close. No doubt in my mind, it's going to be close. Um, That's how these games go, but I feel pretty good about, you know, where they're at and the ability they have to sort of hopefully stop the things that Lamar has traditionally been very, very good at. Yeah, even if you're better, the margins are still tight, right? It's it's not it's not that much better. But I do just feel like they're in a good position with how early Baltimore is and the Monk and Aaron, and they're trying to work a lot of things out. The health of Baltimore traveling, the home nature of these games, I think it all matters. So we'll see if it ends up uh, resulting in a W. But uh, early on in the study of Baltimore here, I feel like there's some there's some real opportunity here to get a, to get a big win that would put them in the bye at three and one. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. We're going to take a quick break. Word from our sponsors when we get back. We're going to broaden our perspectives and look around the NFL in a, in a fun way, the way we try to do on these Thursday shows. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, coming out of break, there's a piece of news kind of circulating around the NFL that Devontae Adams is unhappy. I'm sure you're all just as... Shocked as we are to hear that, that a guy playing at age 31 for an 0-3 team with no real path to long-term future success is uh, is unhappy and, and might be looking for a way out the door. There have been some teams linked. You never know if these are actual linkings to something relevant or if it's just, hey, these guys have a bunch of cap space. We could use another wide receiver. Uh, these reports are sometimes goofy, but the Browns have been a team floated out. Where do you stand on you know, this hot, this, this pursuit of Devonte Adams, Jordan, I'm going to go to you first. It is interesting to me because when the Browns are restructuring, restructuring, restructuring all these contracts, I think all of us are like, this is pretty obvious for rollover, but there's also a rainy day fund here. If you're a real competitive team, maybe you uh, obviously would imagine this happens something closer to the deadline, but you never can dictate when these sorts of things happen or when a guy becomes really unhappy. And then the the stove gets a little hotter than everyone anticipated, but um, you know, with that money that they have for this year, you obviously want to roll a lot over. There's some contracts that you think might be coming. Hell, Grant Delpit might be playing himself into something really, really special. But Devonte Adams is sitting there; he's willing to go to Cleveland, and they're saying, "Hey, give us a one of your additional, you know, the Quessy fourth or something." And you say, "What to that, Jordan?" I, I think I'm in a spot where, like, I just I don't know. I think. 
what's so fascinating about these receivers, especially somebody the caliber of Devontae Adams, is you watch the Raiders, right? And it just doesn't matter. He's getting 10, 15 targets. He's going for almost 200 yards. He's scoring touchdowns. And it just doesn't matter because the rest of that team and the quarterback just isn't good enough. Now, the Browns are in a different spot than the Raiders, obviously, on offense. Um, but you've removed Nick Chubb from from the equation. And I just wonder, I think Devontae Adams is obviously one of the, if not the best, one of, you know, top three in the NFL. He's, he's literally always open. He's an incredible route runner. Um, him and Amari Cooper on either side running routes would be, you know, pretty special to watch. So I would lean towards, you know, if, if it's the right type of thing, does he put that offense in a place where it's like, okay, now we're really cooking with gas. Whereas right now you're still trying to figure out how to get Elijah Moore involved. Um, Amari Cooper is really the only sort of, big play guy you have right now, um, you know, especially when he gets single coverage. And um, so it, it's the value of wide receivers has always been a really hard one for me when you're looking to sort of add um, from a place where you still, you feel like your offense is decent. Does Devontae, you know, put you to a place where you're like, okay, com- combined with this defense, now we're really moving along. And I think, you know, if Deshaun continues to improve, that's something where it's like, yeah, I think he might. But the val- it's always been really hard for me to pin down the value of an elite wide receiver and how much it actually adds. And so I think I would be, you know, it's a wishy-washy answer, but I think like I'm still just not sure if it's a move the Browns need to make. Uh, I have a non-wishy-washy answer, which is I'm running to the fax machine to complete that. I'm pulling the anti-Sashi Brown and buying an extra fax machine to make sure that I can get that one turned in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all over this. I think this is, I am a believer in Devonte Adams. I, I mean, I, you know, I lived in Wisconsin for a long time, watched a lot of green Bay Packers games. Uh, you know, I think he really was the main source of Aaron Rodgers' late career resurgence, like with his ability to win, you know, consistently. Um, and be open for for Rodgers. Not to take anything away from who Aaron Rodgers is, but Devontae Adams is an exceptional wide receiver. And and the fit here, it, you know, the, the question is what the Raiders want. But if what they want is reasonable, you know, I think you can you can probably restructure the contract in a way that, you know, kicks the can down the road on some of those really wicked cap hits. Because he's, you know, for for this year, he's, he's at 14, uh, just under 15 million. And then for next year, he's at 25 million. Um you know, so that, that to me is, you can work with that. And then the next two years, it's like 45. That is uh, intense. You know, that, that will require some, some patented Andrew Barry cap magic, but the Browns, you know, have spent the last few years positioning themselves to be in this spot. And here, here's the main reason why I would do it. Defensive success that the Browns are having this year is fickle. It does not there's no guarantee the Browns are going to be playing like this on defense next year. Uh, We know that there is an immense amount of variability in your year to year defensive uh, performance, but we also know that they're really good on defense this year. So if you make a move like this now, or, you know, over the bye week or after week six, you are buying the fact that with this defense, and if you can get that offense nudging into the bottom half of the top 10, you know, like the eighth best offense in the league with the the Browns defense through the three games continue to play like it has, that is a Super Bowl contender. Like there's just no two ways about it. And Watson and Cooper is as good of a one-two as any team in the league. It's right up there with Hill and Waddle. It they succeed in very different ways than Hill and Waddle, but in terms of two professionals that know how to get open 
on third downs. You would have teams just begging for mercy. I think it's a no-brainer, and I think it's the type of move that I would expect Andrew Barry to make if there's a way to make it happen because he understands their window is these two years and the defense is playing lights out. You have to strike when the iron's hot in situations like this. I also think that Deshaun likes these types of guys. We're seeing it with Cooper. Exactly. These route runner types who um, they heat. If he doesn't fear the, um, you know, I can throw it to you no matter what. Exactly. You're going to find a way to create late separation, whatever. It's pretty clear he was kind of ingrained in that from his Hopkins year. So, I yeah, I see the fit. I also see the hesitancy um, from some folks because of what the long term could be because of that. Um, but but boy, like if they say to you, "Hey, we'd like Donovan Peoples Jones and and uh, you know in a, in a fifth, it'd be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. you are genuinely talking about a team if the offense just moves as we we think they might be in this slight direction toward relevancy. Um, there's there like the Super Bowl's real. It's yeah. very real. So on the I can see, yeah, I can see how that would be a massively appealing thing. And, and you know, I can't also think that the Raiders are going to have a bunch of people who are eager to do this trade, largely because in season teams don't have cap space. Right. Like you don't exactly. find many teams that have enough to get that sort of thing done. So if they're going to do Tankapalooza for Caleb Williams, which they should, mm-hmm. like this is a thing that they should be trying to see if they can get anything. Yeah out of Devonte if he doesn't want to be here. I mean, he's 31. He's yep. not 28. Now nah, we'll give him a year. He's 29. He's, he's like, he's, he's there. Put it that way. This he's is not, he's not getting younger. This is the real life example of the Rams doing what mm-hmm. they did to win the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, right? This is the, this is the next chapter of that. And it's not to say that it's a guarantee, obviously, you know, things can happen in football, but you, you ask the question, do the Rams regret what they did? being in the position that they're in now because they've got the Super Bowl trophy. My answer to that has always been not at all. If you have a chance to take that risk, you take it because these windows don't stay open that long. And when, and when you, it takes a lot of work to put them together and that's the Browns defense coming together this way is the signal to make this sort of all in move. What if like you're in some meaningful games at the end of this year or, you know, or a playoff game and you're like, God, we just couldn't get any separation. They were they were bracketing yeah. Cooper, and we couldn't get any separation. I mean, that's what. And then someone in the back of the room is like, maybe we should have called Devontae Adams thing a little bit. That's what was I just all over the tape against know. the Steelers was. It, you yeah. know, pressure was a big part of that game, and Watson ducking his head at times. But you watch a lot of those snaps, and it's like, who's open? Yeah, third downs, especially yeah. where they're playing man to man, right? I think the pressure beat some of the cover three stuff, but like. I don't know. I, I if they if he's realistically now again these these things could be like the Raiders are asking for something stupid and you're like yeah this they is want not, to first the Browns can't thing. do it yeah but but if there's uh it's hard to say no it's hard to say no that you get you got two you could have two years of serious push here exactly. and even if you had to like figure out some way to move off of Cooper or what I mean I just I don't know I it's not it's not a uh, it's not always cut and dry here but you, you're talking about. Do they regret going to get Von Miller, the Rams? Do they regret exactly. going to get Odell after he hit the market? I really don't think they do. Exactly. And I would respect the decision to chase it because, you know, what's Miles now, 27, 28? You know, like these guys aren't getting any younger, and it'd be really cool to see them make the real push that is possibly sitting there. So we've, we've spent too much time on something that may never even happen, but that's what we do on these shows. What we're going to do, though, is shift to – um, our way of looking around the NFL. So we, we want to look at games coming up 
and we want to do it from a couple different category based things. So we're going to start with um, what we're watching or like what we're drawn to watching things we're most excited about in the weekend slate of games. I'll go to you, uh, Andrew first. There is a barn burner on the one o'clock slate outside of the Browns game that I think you got to have up simultaneous to what. Yeah. It's going to be a two TV situation, Jake. It's going to be a classic, what the kids call a two TV situation. I think that's what the kids call it. Um, you're going to, you're talking about the, the dolphins visiting Buffalo. You've got a three and O team visiting a two and one team. And that two and one team, you know, has uh, put the Raiders and the commanders to the sword in consecutive weeks. Uh, the three and O team just dropped 70 on an NFL team. Uh, uh, so seemingly unintentionally. Uh, there was a point in the, the second half of that game where they could not stop scoring, even though they seemed to be trying to stop. So, uh, Oh, and that reminds me, uh, you you had uh, a little bit of a successful tweet based on that game, didn't you? Hey, you know when when I would just like down. Sometimes I'll download some games from the weekend, and anytime a team scores seventy, like I gotta yeah, gotta see what they were doing on offense. When I tell you I was scrolling through so fast, and I stopped on a play because I wanted to see how a chain scored. It was like I spent three minutes on that game film of a forty eight minute uh, file, and I'm like. This is ridiculous. There are six guys on the ground right now. How, how is this even possible? And apparently that has been the clip that is um, pretty popular out there this week. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I've 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 made my, my peace with it. You know, I've, I've uh, accepted the status that I have a gathered here. And- <laughs> yeah. Do you feel different? Do you feel like has your life in what ways has your life changed? Are you getting a lot of like is your phone ringing with unknown numbers? Yeah. Kind of like what's, you know, walk us through the changes in your life. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of like, um, you know, I'm having people at the house just do things for me. And if they ask why I show them the tweet, nice. right. I say, nice. I say, smart. I do numbers. Mm-hmm. I say, I do numbers. Mm-hmm. It's like a mm-hmm. thing. It's a phrase. I'm it's using. on your t-shirt. I can see um, your t-shirt right now. It's on your t-shirt. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. So I just make sure the people around me know that, yeah. you know, so, yeah. um, no, nah, it's, it's funny. You tweet, I tweeted that. Then I went to write some stuff, edit some stuff for us. And I come back and like, I think field Yates had tweet retweeted it or something like that because Dane Brugler had said something about, drafting Devon a chain and all it just it's goes crazy out of nowhere but it was just such a funny moment and we're going to talk we're going to talk about denver in a minute but that that is um we call that in shambles right now that situation so my favorite piece of it going viral was that uh one of my favorite accounts in social media uh art but make it sports uh captured that moment and uh used it to inspire a comparison to the uh, hieronymus bosch painting which is I mean, chef's kiss stuff. I truly just, that's the stuff dreams are made of. So I don't usually post a lot of images on social media, but I might start now trolling uh, in that way, specifically to try and get uh, something picked up by art, but make it sports because that's, I am so jealous. Andrew is Andrew is going to try and out viral you, mm-hmm. and I think this is he's been plotting it for he's been plotting it. Frankly, the whole season he's been telling me behind <laughs> closed doors that um, those DMs are supposed to be private, Jordan. So he's um, listen. Um, I'll put your background yeah, on you really my will. Twitter, and I'll put your your desire to to go viral. So no, it was uh, it was funny because that's one of those things where somebody retweets it into my timeline, and I'm like, wait, I think that's just Jake. And I was like, oh, it is Jake. Exactly. That's amazing. So, exactly. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I I can't even really, you know, we shouldn't even be in the same room as or in, talking in the same podcast as you right now. So thanks for yeah, letting us on that. today. I know that our, 
your status has really yeah. risen. Well, it's the least I can do for friends. I don't forget where I came from. My roots are established. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, we'll see if I have a couple of them, though, we might be changing the name of the podcast to uh, <laughs> yeah. viral. viral and for and your, your Twitter account is not monetized either. So that money is all going to somebody that isn't you, right? It is that is a fact. Yeah, that's you know, a so maybe maybe uh, I should. Elon is that's counting a, counting yeah, Jake's money. Um, if you do want to change the name of the podcast to Jake Burns and the Gang, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not saying I'm going to like it, but I'll you know whatever yeah, I'll, I can I'll do join to hang the gang. on and ride your coattails. I'll, I'll, I'll get do, jumped I'll in. That's it. fine. I have no I have no yeah. shame. No, well, you guys can leech off me. That's fine. We'll make it work. It's been working um, very well for me so far. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about the other one. I think Thursday is going to be pretty good. Uh, it's not often we get a great Thursday game, uh, and I, I'm really excited about, you know, Detroit is, uh, I'm saying it how I say it. Yep. I'm sorry if I say it well, wrong. Well, you can now because of the tweet. I also heard, I heard, yeah, it's true, you know, whatever. I heard, heard somebody else say Detroit, and I and I, 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 I should have wrote it down because I was like, this person matters, and they say yeah, Robert that Robert May says Detroit. He does. Yeah. That, that actually might be it. Yep. So me and Robert yep. sticking together on this one. I have a. I also have a quick thing. I was at the. Uh, I was at the bar watching Ohio State Notre Dame, and a woman walked in wearing a Tigers hat, and uh, she was sitting at the bar. She was watching Notre Dame Ohio State. She was rooting against Ohio State because she said she was from Michigan, and I said, "Oh, where about?" She said, "Oh, uh, just outside of Detroit." Whoa. Jordan and I said, I, I, and we had a legitimate conversation whoa. about if that's how you pronounce it. She was like, "I think so." And that's so, how you met your wife. <laughs> Yep, and uh, we oh, have three wow. kids, and it's going and it's going wow, really well. That's a big yeah, congratulations. Really well. Listen, I told Andrew yeah, this, and you, I've told you. the pod as people have picked on me about it. I I say Detroit because of, and I know you're a big NBA guy, Jordan. They used to say Detroit basketball when the the, the tournament it, it, yep. it stuck with me. So you can blame whoever that PA announcer is during the height of the Pistons dominance there in the early 2000s. That guy really messed with my brain. Um, that game should be fun. That's all I'll say. The, 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 we don't get great Thursday games, but the AFC North, or sorry, the NFC North is sort of a fun division that you always keep tabs on because it's the same sort of region in the in the different conference, and uh, obviously connected to I think a, a really fun situation for the for the Lions where their offense is fun. They got some some fun pieces on defense with like Brian Branch playing really well, and and uh, continuing to see if Green Bay is going to be the luckiest fan base of all time and have three straight really good quarterbacks for like three or four decades in a row. Um, you know, that, that, yeah. that part of it is still very much out there. I, I, it's really fun to watch. Like some people are really bought on, in on him. Other people are very guarded, you know, um, I, mm-hmm. I, I was hearing, I think it was the PFF guys were talking about how their offense is really high in EPA per play, but not so great in success rate indicating that it might just be like a little bit of big play luck that's kind of buoying them up early in the season. So I think that's something to continue to watch. I think the Detroit defense has been better than I thought it was going to be. I kind of thought they were going to be like last year's team where they were going to be a shootout team, but they really did a number on Atlanta last week. I mean, really. You don't see many people shut down the run game of Atlanta like that. So yeah, this is a, this is a fun one to see who's sort of real in that division because the bears and Vikings are, I mean, they're not going in the right direction, and we'll talk about the Bears here in just a moment. But is there anything else you're you're paying attention to games wise? Um, you know, before we shift over to Browns Ravens is the third best game of the of the weekend. So I think like you got to figure out a way to get Dolphins Bills and Browns Ravens on a double screen of some sort. That's that is the challenge for everybody for Sunday. And while I like the YouTube multi box setup, if you're a, a person who does the Sunday ticket. 
they're still kind of small. <laughs> I mean, so it isn't quite as enjoyable as having like. If you do four, it's hard. Yeah. To, and then you have to switch which game you want the volume to be on for. So you're yeah. like constantly. It's. I mean, listen, I'm not going to complain about four football games on my television at once. I'm a degenerate, but uh you know there's it does make the box smaller it's like when espn um (laughs) continues to do the double box during monday night football when they're on separate channels and you can just go watch the other game if you wanted to uh, made me lose my mind starting with the browns game they Mm -hmm. did it again this monday i don't know who's you know i know this is a bit of a tangent i don't know the producer's all I've seen on Twitter is negative yeah. towards the double box, and the producers are like, do not care. We're yeah. still doing it. So. For, like, field goals the and penalties. The and Yes. Random yeah, like, just plays, coach shots. Like, nothing's yeah. going on. Yeah. Like, here's a, yeah. here's a look at Frank Reich. We're going to interrupt this Rams-Bengals game for a good look at Frank Reich. Just chilling there, looking at his play sheet. Yeah. I think that if you put it in, like, a small box, people wouldn't be bothered, but they're, like, split-screening it. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. general 100% disapproval of the route they're going there. It's not like someone's watching, you know, you're watching Brown Steelers and the Panthers, was it Panthers Saints is on, and I'm like, well, I really wonder what's going on with Panthers Saints. Yeah. I, is it still 10-7? I, just, I can't it divert is? my okay. eyes. I I would love for them to give me a, a view here. Oh my God, they gave me it. This is a miracle. No one's saying that. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you have an 85 inch yeah. TV, yeah. the four games probably stomachable. But if you're not a TV degenerate and you have like a 55 inch TV or something, it's it's still kind of small. And it's like it's not the the the. It doesn't fix everything, is what we're saying. Because when you really want to watch a second game, and that Bills. Dolphins game is going to be it's good yeah. it's much well it's must watch you know the Bills try and watch it on a tablet your tablet's going to melt <laughs> exactly you know the Bills haven't um had a Browns defense start to their season but they've had a pretty dang good yep. one so yep. I'm always interested to see if teams can figure out the hot dynamic working in the league offensively and Miami is obviously at the forefront of all that stuff so that is um it's going to be hard not to have up at the same time you're watching the Browns play and it kind of stinks that they couldn't figure out a way to get that game to prime time uh, at some point, but nonetheless, but the Thursday game should be fun. Uh, and then I don't know who are the prime time games oh, uh, for this Jake, one. I was just about to say uh, we've got chiefs jets on Sunday night. Uh, so Ooh. yeah, the- let, let, let's shift over to that. That's the next section here yep. is what we can't, I call it the clock. They, I I pitch the clockwork orange mm-hmm. segment well, we where they peel your eyes back. We can, you know, but it's what we're, where we can't divert our eyes from watch it's like a train wreck, right? You got to watch. You can't, you can't look away. And that one is the leader. Because there, there's an alternate world here where the Browns hired Robert Sala, and he's sitting in there saying, "Like, hey man, you know Brian Hoyer is our guy. We got to stick with him, or something along those lines." Because that's what's <laughs> happening right now. Hey, you leave, you leave Brian Hoyer out of this, Jake. All right, you leave let me leave Mr. Hero out of this thing. <laughs> Sorry, it's the maddest I've seen Jordan in the few weeks we've been doing this. Wow, <laughs> this whole. I don't even like. I don't even really like Brian Hoyer that much. I just, you know, we. Sending straight. Yeah, his whole demeanor he changed. listens. He's gonna hear that. He's gonna hear this. Yeah, it's. I wonder who would be that quarterback. This is Zach Wilson. There's so many options of quarterbacks over the years that could have been that Oof. guy for the quarter. The coach is sticking with him. We could do a whole separate podcast on that's that. Nice. I'll that's tell you true. what. Yeah. So the so the afternoon games are also bad. Raiders, Chargers, Patriots, Cowboys, Cardinals, 49ers is a pretty bad trio. How that Bills Dolphins couldn't at least kind of sneak into that four o'clock window is beyond me. Then mm-hmm. Chiefs Jets on Sunday night, and then Seahawks Giants. So just just a little bit more uh, New York football on your prime time. They they dominated Week One, uh, Sunday night, Monday night. And they're going to do it again for Week Four. Both teams so competent, you know. Yeah. No, none of us in here predicted the demise of 
the New York Giants. I mean, I think we all were pretty agreeing on that one. Yeah. Like, just yeah. not going to run it back as successfully. But anyway, uh, otherwise, there is this Bears and Broncos game that is, I don't even know what to say about it. Two really bad defenses. And it does seem like Denver can score a little. So there's that, right? Yeah. So I think it's interesting, like, these these teams, both the Bears and the Broncos, and then the to go back to the Jets for a second too, like both these teams, specifically Bears, are dealing with they're getting asked questions that like they definitely do not want to have to be answering in week three of the season. And um, one sort of thing that I never really crossed my mind was, hey, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and is out for the season, will he still be doing his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show? And that answer, my friends. <laughs> is, oh, yes, his leg is going to be propped up in a cast and he is still going to be doing it. And he's going to use that uh, time on the Pat McAfee show to uh, just comment on his uh, football team from afar, which is a very, very weird dynamic when you have this guy all offseason gets hurt and now he's still just kind of talking about the team. But it's like you hear your buddy talking about you on like a podcast you listen to. You know, it's like if Jake went on you know, the athletic and just started talking smack about me and you, Andrew, which like probably I was going to say that feels chillingly uh, plausible. It's, it's coming soon. What Um, a horrible view of me. Jeez. It was one viral tweet guys. (laughs) Good Lord. Yeah. This is, this is your life now, dude. This is your life. Um, But like Robert Sala is having to answer questions from the press about like, Hey, did you hear what Aaron Rodgers said about you guys? You guys should stop (laughs) arguing on the sideline and like grow up. And it's like, man, not only is this dude trotting out, looking us all in the eye and saying, we still believe in Zach Wilson, which is infuriating. But now he's also having to essentially deal with his former quarterback of 75 seconds, uh, talking about their team in a very public forum. Um, So the Jets are in hell. The Jets are in hell. I mean, I think we can say that's where the Jets are at the moment. Um, The defense doesn't like that Robert Sala uh, continues to say these things publicly. And then, yeah, just looking at, like, Broncos, Bears, I mean, the Bears are a disaster for sure. But I am almost more – I'd be curious what you guys think. I am almost more fascinated by the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson thing because Mike McDaniel hung 70 on a pretty – you know, Sean Payton's a pretty iconic coach at this point. I'm not sure if we all – like, I – the Sean Payton thing, I'm like, whatever. I don't really like him. I don't like his personality. I'm not a huge fan. Um, but, man, the look he had on his face when he went to shake Mike McDaniel's hand after that game is just like – it's one of those looks where it's like, did I have I made a grave mistake uh, coming back to coach this team? Um, and so I am fascinated by, like, what if the Bears win that game? Mm. Like, where – like, the Broncos, to me, are almost in a weirder, worse situation because I – I don't know. They're they're not playing as poorly as the Bears, and it just hasn't mattered. And then that defense just got let, you know, per Jake's tweet, uh, got absolutely mm-hmm. demolished. So I'm curious where you guys stand. Do you guys think one of those teams is in a worse position? Uh, and are you guys just watching that game like I am to really just like – it's like having a cigar and cackling like an evil laugh throughout the entire game. That's personally what I'm going to be doing. I'll let you go first, Andrew, because I'm so nice. You know, <laughs> No, there's there's no question that the Sean Payton situation is the worst one to be in. I mean, Matt Matt Eberflus at this point would have to do, I think, quite a bit to save his job by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, Sean Payton's going to be there for a few years. They handed him a boatload of money. You know, he's he's like that guy that used to be a Broncos fan that just wore a barrel, except it's just all it's full of money. 
he's he's wearing a he's wearing a, a barrel full of money, and he you're not going to walk away from that, right? I mean, I know he's already quite rich, but you know, unless he retires again, like out of nowhere, I think he's going to be there a few years, so he's going to be digging out of this for a while, and I think he can probably get the Broncos to respectability. But there's a difference between getting them to respectability and you know not having 70 points dropped on their head at random and ever being good. And I don't think that's in their future. So I, that feels more like futility, you know. Like if we're talking about the seven circles of hell or whatever that the, you know that Hieronymus Bosch painting, then like uh, Sean Payton's in football purgatory. You know, Matt Eberflus is going to be put out of his misery pretty soon. Yeah, he's coaching a terrible defense with a quarterback he doesn't want to be around that he can't get rid of. There you go. <laughs> like, yeah, like I think you're right. That's what a way to put it. Well, I don't think that like let's put it this way: Chicago has less to lose because I think it's already lost. Exactly, like, the, the coach is going to be fired. Blah blah blah. Yeah, there is some freedom in that, but Denver is like Sean Payton's trying to rectify all of this, and the pressure's on to get a win. And yeah, if they lose, it's gonna get it's gonna get really ugly, man. And it has funny. a chance to. There were few guys more respected than Sean Payton in his tenure in New Orleans or around the league, and now you get this dynamic of yep. – I was listening to Deion Sanders' press conference, and they're asking him about it, and Deion was like, I'm not going to talk about my friend Sean Payton. It's like there are people in Denver asking Deion yeah. about this stuff. Dion, so I don't, you, Prime, can you go help the yeah. Broncos? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think, too, I was just going to say real quick, like I think sometimes coaches who step away for a little bit um, – forget yes. what it's like yes. especially in this like internet yes. culture too about i mean you saw the things about how after that game um people were resurfacing when sean payton said on fox that he thought that tua should be was it was not going to be exactly. the starting quarterback for the dolphins for very long and teddy bridgewater was going to take his job and i think you know it reminds me a little bit of the urban meyer thing although that was a that's a whole nother level of hell but when urban meyer took over the jaguars i think you just forget like if things start to go south, like the internet, the internet is going to mm-hmm. come for you and Twitter is going to come for you. And these things are going to, and like to Jake's point, like we got people asking Deion right. Sanders about the futility that you're going through right now. Like, and you can see it on some of these coaches faces where it's a different world when they, even in a couple years since Sean Payton was coaching, like it's a different, it's a little bit of a different world you step back into. Um, and people come with receipts and they remember things that you've said. Um, and you may like, I mean, I think we knew right from the beginning when you made all those comments about Nathaniel Hackett, it's like, oh, you, I don't know if you were prepared for the blowback you were about to get from this. Like, it's just a, it's a wave and it hits you pretty hard when you start losing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, you think about it too, because like he's back where he was when he started with the saints in a lot of ways, like he's got more of a resume, but the process is still the same. You have to get the local media to buy in. You have to get the fans to be behind you. His last few years in New Orleans, it feels easy because like a lot of that work is already done. You know, you you kind of got the whole process. The no, but the fans aren't going to jump down your throat. You know, the media is not going to really give you the, the fifth degree, third degree, whatever. You go to a new city and it's like, I don't know you. I don't respect you. It's, it's what happened to Eric Mangini in Cleveland. You know, he came in with the expectation that he was going to be treated as if he was a good head coach. And it's like, well, didn't you just get fired? I, I don't know where it goes. Like you said, there's too much money to walk away from, but, yeah. but it is, you got to watch it because there's going to start to be some media leaks. Like, yep. Let's just put it that way. There's going to get some, well, somebody's got to get some blamed. stuff out there. Somebody's got to get blamed. And it's funny that it's the defense that is, yeah. um, you know, cause you would have expected maybe the offense would still suffer a little bit, but it's, it's uh, historically bad on the defensive side. 
I was just say real quickly just to wrap this up. Like if there's anybody better at sort of trying to orchestrate a coup against the head coach, we have already mm-hmm. seen Russell yep. Wilson uh, with some very well-placed leaks ahead there of his go. exit from Seattle about Pete Carroll. So I don't know if you guys saw, I don't know if you, let's ride. I don't know if you guys saw Nate Tice was on um, Pablo Torre's new podcast. Nate Tice played with and roomed with Russell Wilson at Wisconsin. And he was saying that his longstanding theory has always been that Russell Wilson will attempt to run for president one day. And everything that he's done uh, in his life has been leading up to that. And so like, when we're talking about like public appearance and that type of thing, we all know Russell Wilson is very, very locked in on how he looks in public uh, and what he says very robotically. So the, the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson clash could be, could be pretty epic, guys. I'm not gonna lie to you. It could be pretty exciting. It's also funny that, that you guys are talking about that. You're going through. You're talking about a lot of great things, and then you mentioned Urban, and I was like, oh yeah, that time he brought Tebow back into the NFL just last preseason, mm-hmm. like just last Man, preseason. Yeah. <laughs> it was not that long ago. ago. It was not yeah. that long. Ago. And then you think about like you watch this Florida documentary that took place. These games that are taking place back in like I was in high school, and they were talking about Tim Tebow was in a. Uh, no, this is this is so awful. Anyway, um, moving off that, uh, I I think. Listen, have we hit on everything we want to see? I guess it's time to get to our last little section, which is kind of build around a little hot take of the week. It doesn't have to be extra spicy; it can be mild. But um, there's some stuff out there that I think we could probably hit on every week. I think I have one, which is I don't think the Cardinals are bad. It's not that spicy, but they're playing like. I mean, they're playing good football. They, they are, um, uh, look at their offensive efficiency. So shout out to Drew Petzing for, it's yep. not like he's working with God's gift to, you know, special athletes here. And I guess the question I have for you guys is, is it like, if, if your team gets doubted so much, it doesn't matter who's coaching them. They're just going to play hard all the time because they're rallying behind this idea that they're going to go and 16 and that's embarrassing. And the NFL doubts us. And I think you get where I'm going with this. Like, or is Jonathan Gannon better than we think he is? Like, I don't, I, I guess I'm caught in between a little bit there because these guys are playing with everyone and they're, you know, they, they blew that game against the Giants, which they definitely should have won. They were dominating that game for three quarters and then they beat the Cowboys, which I know the Cowboys were reeling from the, from the Trevon Diggs injury and all of that. And the, the playing in Arizona is the ultimate letdown place right now in terms of just not being totally prepared and mentally locked in. But, I just don't think these guys are that bad. Like I think that they might be a little, a little better than we gave them credit for. Or does this, does this kind of, uh, in your guys' opinion, fizzle out at some point? Because, I mean, it's been pretty impressive so far. Now they're going to go to San Francisco, and that's yeah. a real, that's a real challenge. But I, I just, uh, you, you can't really say that they're not, they're not competent the way they've played these three games. They, they've yeah. really put their foot forward in a good way. This is maybe a little bit of a homer pick, but I think I'm more impressed with the offense than the defense so far with Arizona. And so mm-hmm. I think that the the guy that really looks the best right now is Drew Petzing, you know, to like be a first-time offensive coordinator with Josh Dobbs as your quarterback to do what they did against the Cowboys defense. I think that deserves a ton of credit. Like conceptually yep. what they were doing was hard to defend. It wasn't it wasn't luck. They were prepared for what the Cowboys couldn't defend. They ran it well against them and they succeeded. You know, the Cowboys, meanwhile, on offense, you know, shot themselves in the foot again and again and again in the red zone. I, you know, I may or may not have had some uh, touchdown uh, parlay type things happening with Tony Pollard in that game. And so I was invested in watching the uh, Cowboys trips to the red zone. And uh, boy, did I come away disappointed 
time after time after time. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think Drew Petzing does deserve a ton of credit. Uh, I'm happy for him. I think the book is still probably out on Jonathan Gannon and especially that defense. This feels like one of those situations where the more film that becomes available on what the Cardinals are doing offense, the harder it's going to get for them to. I think the the Cowboys were like didn't look in any way prepared for what they were doing in the running game and with Josh Dobbs and. Um, but I, I will say that it is so funny that everything we saw from Jonathan Gannon and especially that little, that little pregame pump up speech that we talked about on a, on a pod before the season, that was maybe the, the least motivating speech I've ever seen where he asked players who took the bus here and we're all like, Oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. (laughs) He must be saying some other stuff that players seem to like, because they are, they're playing really, really hard. Um, now listen, they may play hard regardless of who their coach is. And I definitely think there is something to hearing the outside noise of you guys are tanking and you guys are horrific and like players hear that and they are going to be like, that's so disrespectful. We're going to play as hard as we possibly can. But I, it is, it is a surprise that after listening to maybe the worst pump up speech of all time, uh, the players are still, so really it's a credit to the players, honestly, even more like they heard that speech and they're like. Okay, that's the worst thing I've ever heard, but we will look past it and we will continue to play hard. So, yeah, shout out to Josh Dobbs. He finally got his jersey in the team shop. Big win for him. Uh, They didn't have it initially in there because uh, they didn't expect him to be starting. Uh, And now he's got his own jersey on sale. So shout out to Josh Dobbs. And it's not hard to see a reality where Petzing is the Ben Johnson of this season, right? Where it's um, at this point, at this point, he deserves the credit. I think you made a great point, Jordan, about the film as more and yeah, more tendency and film stuff happens with them. One other thing about can, the Cardinals uh, there, really, go ahead. uh, the turf is still a gigantic issue in Phoenix. Uh, hmm. the da- Dallas was having all sorts of trouble with it. Uh, is it possible that Jonathan Gannon is like asking for this turf to be this bad? Is that now that's a, that's a true hmm. hot take conspiracy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't put it past him. Like, we got the Cowboys. Can you guys make it real greasy? Now they played on the road week one, right? They played at Washington. Yeah, I that's believe, right. right. That's right. Gave them a game. Let's see how they yeah. handle San Francisco, where yep. the turf will be controlled by yeah. Flat Bill Kyle Shanahan, and then go. we'll uh, then we'll go then we'll go from there. <laughs> keep an eye on the turf, um, everybody. Keep an eye on the turf. We are noted. Is there any other? Uh, you guys have the the you know the stage here. Any other hot takes you want to get off your chest? I don't know how hot this is, but um, it feels like what's happening in Minnesota is going to reach a sort of a boiling point. Uh, they started 0-3. They have not looked very good. Um, and something that gives me a little bit of, oh, that's interesting, is that um, it appears that Kevin O'Connell has moved up in the odds to be the first head coach fired. He is now in fourth place. Um, it, it's 10-1. to 1. He is behind... Um, Let's see here. Let me go. Josh McDaniels uh, is number one. Uh, he's two to one. He's a favorite. This is from uh, a couple days ago. McDaniels is two to one. We've got uh, Iberflus, uh coming up after him. And then Ron Rivera is in number in the third pole position here. But Kevin, seeing Kevin O'Connell in the top five is like, I think there was some feelings that like, yeah, like their loss to the Giants in the playoffs last year was disappointing, but they had this great regular season and all that. But I think, you know, there was some pointed analysis about the regression, especially in one score games that the Vikings may be facing. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened this year. And I, I don't know. I just wonder what the patience level is in Minnesota for this iteration of the Vikings. I wonder what Justin Jefferson's patience level is. Uh, I wonder, um, you know, 
you know, Jake, you sent me a very, uh, very interesting tweet uh, that was showcasing something that Justin Jefferson put on his Instagram story that I'm still not sure I fully grasp uh, what the meaning of it is. Did he write that himself? Is that a poem? Um, did Andrew write that and send it to Justin Jefferson? Like, I, it's a lot of questions that I have. Um, but I am, I'm sort of watching the Vikings and I have a feeling that like things might go south quick. They have the worst thing about playing, right? They play the Panthers this weekend. The worst thing about playing a team like that is that the expectations are you beat them. Or if you don't like it's the vibes are going to be really, really bad. So it's almost like playing, um, you know, when I played tennis in high school, not to brag, uh, it was sure almost sounds like, like one. playing a guy that's, uh, don't want to brag. It's almost like playing a guy that all he did was get it back, get it back, get yeah. it back. You were like, I should beat this kid, but oh my goodness, he won't stop returning this ball to me and I'm going to lose because I'm going to get frustrated. So I'm just saying, watch out. You know, Andrew's watching mm-hmm. the turf. Andrew's yep. got his eyes on the turf. I've got my eyes on what's going on in Minnesota because the odds odds makers are really weirdly accurate about stuff. I wouldn't, you know, I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're in an underground bunker somewhere, but um, they're usually accurate. So I'm watching Minnesota. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm rendered speechless because Jordan figured out so quickly that I uh, ghost wrote that uh, erotic poem for Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I am devastated that that secret is out. I mean, <laughs> I know you're right. Yeah, la- last it. week it's he's blowing up my <laughs> subpar uh, Zoom background, and this week it's uh, exposing me as the ghostwriter to the best wide receiver in football. He is well. Here's what I would say: the I have a, I have a he is on the I have a proposition for you guys. We if we see the Browns' offense continue to be as it is, right, lacking some um, momentary uh, advantage creations on third down, maybe being still heavy under center and never quite evolving the way we pictured and the two to one coach to be fired. Um, Josh McDaniels, they don't fire Kevin. They keep him. They, they do well enough. They make the playoffs, but the offense never gets there. Would you be interested in his voice as an offensive coordinator? Oh my God. That's the hottest take I've ever heard. I'm just saying wow. he's had a really good track this record is un- as an offensive this is an unsafe coordinator. Heat of a take to put it on record. So is that a, is that a no then or? Jake is bringing Jake's bringing summer back. I would say that um, I don't. I just don't want Jake. I don't, not Jake. Jake, I love you. you. You can stay. I don't want Josh McDaniels around around anything. I just don't, man. I don't. The the. I mean, I know this wouldn't be his decision anymore if he came over here as an offensive coordinator. But like the the kicking the field goal. Mm-hmm. Tw- I mean, the the management of the end of that game was absurd, and he's been in the league a really long time (laughs) like and i just i don't know i feel like he's gotten enough chances he's he's done his thing i just don't i would say no i'd be i'd be out i'd be out okay that's fair i think it's an interesting question because i do think those new england days they were really good at matchups seeking hunting finding people getting some stuff in the right place and i always thought you know it's tom brady i get it but like they were really good week to week at pinpointing places they could take advantage of and finding guys open. And um, if you take those decisions away from him where he can't, Hey, you're not going to decide our field goals uh, versus go for it. I don't know. Just a, it's an interesting proposition uh, for an organization that clearly liked him, but there's probably some, uh, you know, it's just dangerous to bring that personality into a building where he was, 
he was the guy some people wanted for the job, you know, all those years ago. So I'll let you, I'll let you crush it, Andrew. I just wanted to throw it out there. I think it's interesting as you and I have been back and forth a lot about perspectives on offense. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, to do that. my genuine opinion is that I think that Kevin Stefanski has proven to be pretty resistant to other voices in the offensive room. Mm-hmm. And Josh McDaniels is a, is a, I think his personality from what I understand is, is pretty, pretty big, you know, from, from an ego perspective. So I, I think that would be the real challenge there is I think Stefanski's reluctant to bring anybody in, let alone a guy that is going to be pretty vocal in what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. I, that does not feel like the move that Kevin would make. Now, could that come from above and it be a, an arranged marriage? I, I think Oof. that's possible, but that is yeah. chilling in a different way. Right. So I, I think the move, if there's some, if there is some sort of middle ground where they're not great on offense, but there's somehow Stefanski keeps his job, then you, I think it's somebody that Watson wants. You know, whether that's Tim Kelly or you know somebody from his Clemson days, something like that. That makes to me that's the that's the compromise candidate at, at offensive coordinator. I wonder how Dabo would feel about being a Cleveland Browns offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, let's bring in Dabo Swinney yeah. right in here. What do you think? Do you think he'd still run out of the tunnel the same way he runs down the hill the there? Things are getting hotter somehow. He would ask for he would ask for rocks to be put. <laughs> he needs. Uh, I need a ramp. Of the, the Cleansing rocks. He said, yeah. I want to. He, he said I want to run from above the tunnel down a ramp and uh, wear khakis <laughs> while I do it. That one's fun. Oh, that one's goodness. fun. The range marriage thing is, uh, you know, the road we don't want to go down. No. Week three, week four here, but uh, I just, th- I'm just saying, they really liked him. They, he was really yeah, for sure the guy that was that was pushing the envelope there. And that I job. think he's a he great offensive coordinator, but I just think you know, yeah. Now, now Jim Schwartz gets the head job, is promoted from within, and needs to hire an offensive coordinator. And McDaniel's is available. Let's party. Yeah, maybe. Well, that's a, that's the last thing you know. Um, is that. A lot of people are talking today about was Jim Schwartz going to get a job, right? Like right. he's going to be a hot head coaching candidate, which I cannot align with. Um, if you look at modern NFL hiring trends, what about Jim Schwartz says someone's going to hire him? They can have, they have off to a great start on defense, but nobody hires. I mean, I think Vic Fangio is the last one you're going to see for a while. Everyone wants to attach that. So I, I guess I'm asking you guys on the way out the door. Do you see, this defense is really great. It continues down the path it's on. It's not 85 Bears great, but it's really good. Top three. Is he a real head coaching candidate to you guys, like for somebody else out there? I would never put it past teams to look past his past head coaching jobs and just like the recency bias of the defense was good this year, so that must mean he's doing a good job and we must interview him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes a problem with that is like, just let the coordinator be great in the job that he's great at. Now there's ambit. I, I would also wonder like, does Jim Schwartz yep. want to take over head coach of another team and have to deal with everything that comes with that. And usually the team you're taking over is bad and that's why you're being interviewed. Yeah. So, but I, I would put nothing past the NFL and especially a guy whose name He's almost like a, a retread a little bit, right? And boy, NFL teams love a retread. If there's anything they love in a head coach, it's that. So I wouldn't put it past it. I wouldn't say like, I don't think he'll be, he's not going to be the hot, the hot coordinator, you know, cause he's done it before and people know him, but I would not put it past the franchise to, uh, to reach out. But if I had to say right now, I would say no, but yeah, you never know if the Browns keep this up like the entire yeah. season, it, it would be, I would be shocked if somebody didn't reach out to him. Yeah. Schwartz could do it, but it's who, who would he be? attached to 
that would make a team want to like, you know, it's, you don't see these defensive coordinator hires go well, unless they bring a really sharp offensive mind with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why I got on the idea there because you had brought up like if Schwartz is a candidate out there for another team, if this year goes really well, mm-hmm. then could he be like, well, I'm going to get McDaniels with me and that's our group. Right. right? And there's a track record there. Yep. So that would be, that'd be the only that way would... he has to attach himself to an offensive coordinator. And that would be a pretty compelling duo, frankly. McDaniels is a coordinator who's going to just make the offense hum while Jim Schwartz makes the defense as mean as possible. I mean, I I'm talking myself into it as I sit here. I can see your eyebrows lifting. Andrew would hire him. That's your next Minnesota Vikings staff. Maybe your next uh, LA Chargers staff. Yeah. Um, You know? Yeah. Yeah, It's it's all, it's going to be a team that is too far in the offensive direction. So like you said, the Vikings, you know, makes sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I guess the Raiders, if they did fire McDaniels, but, you know, that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring Josh right back. You got you. Right. You well, yeah, not, not, him, not that part. Bring him back not in the coordinator. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff around the league, and it's a lot of stuff looking ahead at the Browns-Ravens, and I think there's um, a lot to uh, a lot to digest from this pod because there's a, there's a really fun football weekend ahead and a big one for the Browns, and uh, I appreciate the guys here. Jordan, thanks for coming in, man, and yucking it up as usual, brother. Listen uh it's a pleasure looking forward to your next viral tweet so i'll be i'll be watching i'm mapping it out as we speak gotta gotta really pin that one down andrew you know you caught me off guard from the very beginning of this podcast and and you kept me on my toes throughout and for that i'm always i'm always thankful my friend (laughs) it's always a pleasure chick i hope you have a great evening (laughs) guys we're out of here man stop by check out the obr one dollar for your first month rate and review the pod You guys have been the best with that. It is a record-breaking month, and we have some really fun stuff coming down the pipeline as we approach our 1,000th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown, which is wild to think about. Also kind of sad, in a sense, to think about how much time I've spent in front of a computer talking to you about the Browns, but also great because our community is awesome and you guys rock and all that stuff too. So, best of both worlds. We'll catch up with you on Friday behind enemy lines. Saturday, Andrew will be back. We'll do some college football talk, and then we'll be here on Sunday with Brad Ward. Until then, I appreciate you guys being here. And uh, have a great Thursday and go Browns. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.